0: Why is making good decisions so difficult? What shortcuts do our minds take that prevent us from seeing better options? Are there tricks and procedures we can put in place to help us make better decisions? Keep listening to this episode of the Career Engineering Podcast, where we discuss common biases and errors in the decision-making process that might be affecting you and your career.
1: Hi there, we are Haley and Jordan Anderson, and this is the Career Engineering Podcast, where engineers help other engineers have better careers. We're a husband and wife engineering team who are passionate about helping you excel in your workplace.
0: After working in the energy and aerospace industries, we both got our master's degrees in organizational behavior. And in this show, we dive into some of the biggest challenges we each face at work that we didn't learn about in our technical degrees. As engineers, we all love to know how things work, so, on this podcast, we'll look under the hood using research and experience to help you better navigate your coworkers, organizations, and careers. So, I have a scenario for you today, Haley, and honestly, it's a bit of a test.
1: Ooh, bring it on.
0: All right, imagine for a minute you join a new team, and that team has already invested a ton of time and energy on a project. But when you look at it and you look at the numbers, you can see that it's just not bringing them the final results they want. When you ask why they haven't changed direction, the team simply replies that they just need more time, they need more resources. And they reassure you that it'll still work out in the end. How do you feel about that team strategy?
1: Well, I'd probably advise that they take a step back and decide if this is really the best path forward. I think you've got to pause and look at things objectively to make sure you aren't just pushing forward because you don't want to admit you're wrong or that something may not have worked
0: out like you expected. I think that's excellent advice, Haley. I think that makes (laughs) perfect sense to me. Mm -hmm. So let me now just flip the script on you a little bit. Imagine you've been working on a project that you really believed in in the start. When the decision was first made, you proudly exclaimed that this was going to be a huge success. Now, months or years later, things have not gone quite as planned. For one reason or another, it's never gotten to the end that you envisioned, but you push ahead, you know, you're still sure that this thing is going to work out. How are you going to feel when some new team member comes in and gives you that same advice that you provided for us <laughs>
1: earlier? Ah, I think you caught me. I think I would a really hard time accepting that.
0: Yeah, I think you're definitely not alone in that fact. I think that probably applies to most of us. and. And don't worry about it. I know that if that advice came from me, you'd just humbly listen and take it. So that's good.
1: Oh, of course. Of course. Whatever you say, dear.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> many of us would acknowledge the same thing if we were being honest with ourselves, right? That oftentimes decision-making seems easier from afar when we're telling other people what to do. But when <laughs> we're part of the actual decision-making process, things often go awry for whatever reason. You know, our, our minds try to take shortcuts, And these can definitely lead to less than optimal decisions.
1: I mean, speak for yourself though, Jordan. I don't have these problems, ever. Mm.
0: I'm not accusing you (laughs) you (laughs) Just uh, kidding, just kidding. We'll just hold back some comments there and (laughs) uh, move along. But today, I do want to discuss some common shortcuts our brains take in the decision-making process and how we can go about combating these in order to make better decisions. So Haley, what are some of these shortcuts we take that don't always work out for us?
1: Well, first off, the fancy scientific word for shortcuts your brain takes is heuristics. Heuristics are these patterns or shortcuts we use to simplify the complex world around us. One common example is called the availability heuristic, which basically says that we grasp at information and memories that are available to us easily in order to gauge a situation.
0: My favorite example of this heuristic comes from a study where they asked husbands and wives how much of the work they do for the family. Mm. Both said that they did most of the work, probably because they could only easily recall examples of themselves taking out the trash or doing dishes, but they really had a hard time recalling examples of the other person doing the same work.
1: Mm. Hopefully you're not trying to tell me anything with that example, but I, I do get your point, for Fortunately,
0: sure. Fortunately, you know, we do split the work perfectly 50-50, true, and so true. no worries for us there, <laughs> but other heuristics include the representative, heuristic as well as anchoring. There are actually many other heuristics, but we want to spend most of our time talking about the effects of these heuristics, specifically within our decision making. Also
1: heuristics is a hard word to say, we just all appreciate that. So heuristics easily lead to biases in our decision making, and by biases we essentially mean errors in our decision making uh, due to us leaning in a certain direction, so to speak. The research here is definitely really interesting, and each bias or heuristic deserves its own episode in the future. But for now, let's focus on a detailed list of potential biases or errors that we may come across in the workplace.
0: Yeah, two researchers, Mellers and Locke, they uh, broke the decision-making process into five steps. And their research did a really great job of illustrating different biases that, that can arise in each of these steps.
1: Yeah, and this is another topic that we could spend a whole other episode on, um, but I think starting with an overview of the biases will be really insightful.
0: Well, the first step of decision making as they defined it is defining the problem. And a bias that comes into play in this step is the framing effect or framing bias. This essentially means that the way we frame a situation tends to affect the final decision that we make.
1: And the way we look at things plays a huge role in the decisions we make or the way we react to a situation.
0: The author gives us some really cool examples from the world of aviation and uh, Haley is our resident plane nerd here, so I'll uh, let you go ahead and share
1: (laughs) Thank you, I'd love to. It is really cool. So when online check-in became a thing, a couple of airlines approached this in different ways. JetBlue basically charged $10 more for every flight and then gave a $10 discount if you decided to check in online, whereas Northwest Airlines did the opposite. They set their base price $10 lower, but then charged you $10 additional if you did not check in online. People loved the fact that they could get a discount from JetBlue, but hated that Northwest charged you extra if you forgot to check in online.
0: And the really important thing here is that in actuality, they did the exact same thing, right? They both charged you $10 more if you didn't check in online. but JetBlue framed this as a discount while Northwest framed it as a extra charge and people did not like that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it is definitely a great example of the framing effect in action for sure. And just like how it influenced people's decisions at these two airlines, it can influence our opinions on a decision we need to make depending on if we frame something as a potential gain or potential loss.
0: So is there anything that we can do to avoid this?
1: Yeah, well, we can make sure we're looking at both opposing frames when we make a decision. So, if we discuss how much we could gain if X or Y option succeeds, then we can take the time to look at it in terms of a potential loss and see if the decision would be the same or if that would cause us to pause and investigate further. This reframing is helpful because we're naturally wired to avoid the pain of losses as human beings. So, in that airline example earlier, people were afraid to lose $10 that they already had, whereas, instead of gaining, ten dollars from the discount. It's been shown that we as human beings will go to much greater lengths to avoid a loss than we would to have a potential gain.
0: I like that idea. I think that makes a lot of sense. So the second step in decision making is gathering information and identifying options. Like the first step, there are definitely biases that can seep in on this as well.
1: Yeah, I will mention a few different biases here because there's um, multiple at play. One is overconfidence, and this is where we assume that we know more than we really do. And similarly, the above average effect states that we all tend to think we're better than average in most things. So we tend to believe that we will be successful where the odds might actually suggest that most people are going to fail. So one little trick the research suggests is to look at odds in terms of frequencies rather than percentages. We are overconfident when we think there is, say, a 5% chance of making a free throw, but we're more realistic when we think in terms of five out of a hundred chance. And, you know, for me there's probably even less of a chance of making a free throw. You got this, babe. <laughs>
0: Thanks. Um, that really is interesting and, and very useful to know.
1: Yeah, and and then, you know, maybe the biggest bias we can talk about in this area is confirmation bias.
0: Yeah, confirmation bias essentially states that we seek out and give high weight to information that confirms what we already believe while ignoring info that says otherwise. So in the info gathering step, once we get an inkling of what option we like, it's very easy for us to start looking for information that confirms our preferred choice. We even stop looking for alternatives because we already believe we know what's right.
1: Yeah, I can definitely relate to this idea, especially when we're trying to gather information, we tend to only look at sources that are confirming our opinions. So is there anything we can do to get around this one?
0: Nope. Sorry. Um, just kidding. There are <laughs> you know, a few things that we can do, some steps that we can take. One common approach is to assign a devil's advocate. Once you start to lean in a certain direction, it can be really good to have someone who's in charge of pushing back and uh, making you defend your opinion. You also might like to set a minimum number of options you want to come up with before you proceed so that you make sure you're not settling for just the first idea that comes to mind.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, step three in the decision-making process is evaluating our options. Confirmation bias is still at play when we evaluate, but a few other biases can appear in this step as well. Primacy bias and recency bias are two more examples.
0: Yeah, it is odd because primacy bias and recency bias say that the first and the last things tend to stick in our minds, and the middle stuff just gets lost. And so I know that recency bias has been at play in some of my past meetings at work, it often feels like just whoever had the last word kind of wins simply because that's the easiest thing for people to, uh, to remember there at the end.
1: For sure, for sure. And you can understand why that would cause a problem as we're evaluating our options. is just picking what's recently on our mind or what we heard first. Mm-hmm. Well, the fourth step of decision-making in this model is actually making the choice. Two different biases are worth mentioning here for sure. First is the status quo effect, which suggests that people often gravitate towards the status quo as they assume it is the safest choice. But of course, there's no real reason to assume why the status quo or the current way that things are is safest, but it's just easier not to change.
0: Yeah, the paper from Mueller and Locke gave the example of a company offering a new insurance option to their employees, Few people switched to the new option since they were used to having a certain option, even though most of the new employees choosing insurance for the first time did prefer the more beneficial new option.
1: Yeah, I think they summed up well the reason for our affinity for the status quo. We feel more regret when we switch and experience bad consequences than we do when we stick with something and experience bad consequences. This is similar to the concept of loss versus gain framing that we talked about
0: earlier. Definitely, yep.
1: A related error when making a choice uh, involves the sunk cost effect. We tend to give extra weight to things we've already invested in previously, and it makes some good sense if at one point we thought it was a good idea to invest in something, and then we assume it's probably still a good idea so we keep investing in it.
0: Yeah, and that brings us to another common decision-making error we fall into, which we call escalation of commitment. So even after a decision is made, we have opportunities to change our mind and go another direction, but we often choose to just stick with our decision, even if it now appears to be suboptimal.
1: Yeah, nobody wants to admit they made a bad decision, right? So we simply keep investing in a direction we originally supported, even if it seems to be failing. This explains why fans of certain sports teams keep buying their tickets and memorabilia and refuse to admit they should perhaps root for a better team or just stop rooting for them all together.
0: I'll pretend that comment's not pointed at me and just to add that uh, we also <laughs> suffer from hindsight bias after our decisions are tracked and evaluated. It's always easy to look back on a decision and pretend we knew exactly what was going to happen all along. And this often just prevents us from truly analyzing a decision and making sure that we learn the right lessons from our past experiences.
1: Now, that one definitely applies to your favorite sports team, babe, or at least your March Madness bracket. I remember you saying you knew it was going to happen that way all along.
0: Well, fortunately, I did pick Baylor this year. True, but, uh, true. Beyond that, my bracket didn't look too good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, looking back, you feel so confident in a choice when at the time, You were just as uncertain about it as anybody else, right? So I'm certainly guilty as charged.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we all are sometimes, for sure.
0: Well, we covered quite a lot today, so how can we sum this all up?
1: Well, first and foremost, heuristics are hard to say, but also little shortcuts our brains make to help us make decisions easier. Unfortunately, easier does not always
0: mean better. These shortcuts lead to a variety of potential errors throughout the decision-making process. Whether we're in the first step of framing the problem, second step of gathering info, third step of evaluating our options, fourth making the decision, or in the end evaluating it afterwards, these biases and errors can trip us up.
1: These biases include the framing effect, confirmation bias, overconfidence, recency bias, the sunken cost effect, and hindsight bias, just to name a few. There are lots of things for us to be mindful of as we go about making decisions.
0: And just a few ways to help us avoid these problems include uh, framing the situation in multiple ways playing the devil's advocate to make sure that other options are explored, as well as bringing in outside and objective opinions. Being aware of these potential biases can help us look for them in ourselves and help us do a better job at avoiding them in the future. We'll talk more about each of these biases in in depth, but for now we hope this primer will be of use to you and we encourage you to identify at least one bias you think you're susceptible to and, and that often affects your decision making and resolve to be more conscious of that in the coming weeks.
1: challenges are you facing at work or in your career? Do you like what you're hearing and want to add anything to the discussion? Be sure to hit subscribe on our podcast to keep the conversation going and let us know your thoughts by reaching out. Links to our social media channels and our email are included in the show notes.